The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that knows we're pretty freaking good. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And we want to apologize for depending too much on analytics. Yes, that has been instructive in guiding the conversations on this podcast. It seems like we've been relying on it too much, um, which is weird because, uh, I don't know, I I feel like we have a pretty balanced approach. I I really trust our people. Aaron Judge just called me and told me to talk more about RBIs. (laughs) Hey, well, he's in charge now. So we are going to default to the captain of the New York Yankees on this episode of Baseball Barbacast, this Wednesday edition, we are going to talk about all of the interesting uh, happenings in Yankee world, which is nothing actually really happened, but many words were said. And so we are going to talk about what was said by uh, owner Hal Steinbrenner and, of course, GM Brian Cashman at the GM meetings, which are taking place in Arizona this week. Then we are going to hop back on the manager musical chairs uh, merry-go-round. Uh, there's a lot of analogies in there because Craig Council is now managing the Cubs, and that was not true when we last spoke on Monday. So we're, of course, going to get into all the drama involving that as well as the two other much more normal hires that went on in Cleveland and Queens and the couple of manager spots that are still open. Uh, and then, yeah, we're, we're going to put, because we have all this spicy stuff to talk about, our real free agency preview, or at least our broad one, will take place on Friday, and we will be in the same place in New York City. So we're going to push that till then. Again, long way to go in this offseason. And so uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to focus on, on the spice as it comes. But let's begin with Brian Cashman, who can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Brian, if you have any questions about anything, anything baseball related, we're happy to help. We got you. Uh, although it seems like you have enough on your plate right now. So yesterday was an interesting sequence for the New York Yankees. We have not heard from this front office since their 82-win season was completed, uh, which is unusual. Normally, you hear from the losing team or the teams whose seasons end before the postseason shortly after, right? We had the whole embarrassing Jerry Depoto debacle, 54%. Uh, bonanza that happened like immediately after the regular season we heard from you know the blue jays after they were eliminated like normally you hear from them in october during off days even the diamondbacks the mm-hmm. day after the rangers won the world series mike hazen had an availability yeah so the idea is let's do this right now do the po- post-mortem asap and get it out of the way but right. not the yankees and that yes. is a reminder that the yankees are a different beast And I say this as two people who grew up in the D.C. area disliking the Yankees who now think about them in a different way for a living. The Yankees are really not the whole sport, but they're a big deal. They drive eyeballs. They drive clicks. They are the behemoth they pretend to be. And that means that any little nugget of thing that happens in Yankee world is news. The expectations are bigger. The stakes are bigger. And that means the impromptu press conferences are bigger as well. Yes. But the context here, which is that we haven't heard from them since the end of the season, is, I think, important as for what happened yesterday. Because had they delivered a normal end-of-season press conference on October 1st, October 2nd, they it's possible they would have said a lot of these same things. Um, and we would have had all that conversation then. But all of the discussion of like, oh my God, what went wrong? Like all these things that you need to figure out how to fix, we would have had those conversations as soon as it ended. Instead, here we are in off-season mode and we are still having to, understandably, like the media is still having to ask Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner, what the fuck, dude? You guys just had your worst season in 30 years. Like what the hell went wrong and what are you trying to do to fix that? Before we even get to... Who are you going after in free agency? Who are you looking for in trade? Who's definitely going to be in the roster next year? All those questions that most of the other GMs are being asked. 
did you ever ask somebody out in middle school and they said no? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think of my middle school relationship, just like straight up ask denied. I don't know, actually. I that was Beast. I think that happened to me earlier. Okay. Like even earlier than middle school. Yeah. Because when you're thinking like this is particularly prevalent in like high school. Mm-hmm. When you're thinking about asking someone out, you are dwelling on it. You are mm-hmm. thinking about what you're going to say. The right combination of words in the right order. However, the more that you think about it, the more you stew on it, the less it comes out the way you want. And because Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner had basically a month and a half to fall asleep every night and think about the particular you know, order of words to use for the media, it came out very bizarre and yes. very jumbled. Yes, and not just that, it's the fact that, again, oftentimes with these press conferences, you have the GM and the owner. Now, the owner's not always involved, but a lot of the times that happens together. You know, you have all the leadership up there on the dais. Certainly in Ooh. Yankees' world, it is always a dais, right? Not a podium, it's a dais. Dais. Um, <laughs> it has to be. You know, they can answer, There's there. they can be a little bit more aligned because they probably sat in an office you know, for a few hours before they jumped in front of the media and started talking and kind of got on the same page. This was the exact opposite of that. You had Hal Steinbrenner on Zoom early in the afternoon, and then you had Brian Cashman surrounded by media members in person in Arizona. And the messaging that we got from both was inconsistent on so many levels as to enrage Yankees fans and entertain neutrals all the same. And so what we had was Hal Steinbrenner earlier in the afternoon saying, this season was a disaster. Yep. This was a disappointment. We accomplished nothing. We are consider, you know, we're figuring out all these ways that we are going to improve, which apparently include we need to bunt more. We can talk about that in a second. We also need to, <laughs> they also hired an outside firm. They hired an outside firm to seemingly analyze what they were doing compared to other front offices, but also analyze what other front offices were doing to help inform what the norm is and what is productive and all these different things. But all these things are going on because when it's the Yankees, as you mentioned, everything is magnified. And there's so many different people involved and so many people who are making these calls involved. But we have these two people who have been at the top for so long, the Steinbrenner family and Brian Cashman. And to hear them be on so different, on such different pages is what was most alarming because Brian Cashman comes out. And while he also acknowledges this was a failure, we are embarrassed, all these things, he also struck such a defensive tone that produced some of the more incredible GM quotes in any context, let alone the Yankees coming off their worst season in 30 years. The headline quote is, I quote, I think we're pretty fucking good. Now, this quote was not about the roster. Let's be very clear. This quote was about the front office Mm -hmm. and about the processes and the people in the front office. Yes. Jake and Jordan cannot sit here and tell you whether that's true or not. We re- it's it's difficult. That's difficult to say. I know that whatever that front office thought was going to work in 2023 did not work at all. And so we can only look at the results of their labor. Yes. And those results a year ago were abysmal. Yes. And part of the argument that Cashman made, which is where we get into the kind of bizarre analytics side of this discussion, was him saying two things. One, our front office is great. We're pretty fucking good. People are poaching us all the time. He brings up, oh, you know, the Mets just hired our bench coach. And, you know, people are asking for permission to hire our scouts. And we have the largest pro scouting department in baseball and the smallest analytics department in the AL East. He seemed to be very proud of both of those facts. Invite me to your great... birthday party in 2004. Exactly. So it's like, what What a great, what a, what a weird defense because he's bragging that we don't use as much analytics as the other teams, three of which pantsed us in 2023. But then we are also using all these pro scouts. It's like, we have all these great people. But to your point, what is this really about? They sucked this year. Right? Yeah, they still technically had a winning record, but they sucked by Yankee standards. And to Cashman's credit, I agree with him. The only reason any of these discussions are happening is because they weren't very good. And that is the standard that they, their fans are going to hold them to. That's the standard they hold themselves to. I had a conversation with a couple of team employee people within the last month. 
about the Yankees' whole apparatus. And the sense that I get, this is the, the uh, general industry consensus, the people who work for the team are good at their jobs. They are, you know, they're good people, right? They're the type of workers you want to have in an organization. They're smart. They do the role well. But the way information is synthesized, communicated, and applied within the Yankees apparatus, within the system, within the organization, that is the problem. It is not that the people are not good at their jobs. It is that the jobs they are doing are not always translated into wins, into value on the field. Yeah. Now, again, they won 99 games two years ago, right? But there's parts of this roster and the direction that they're heading. And again, what can we judge them on in general? It's the moves that they've made and the roster that they've constructed that even when you account for the injuries was not even close to being a good baseball team in 2023. And so that's when you get to what the, the concept you just referred to is you let's introduce Aaron Judge as a character here because Aaron Judge. All right. Who, so he's yeah. really tall, <laughs> really tall, really good, hits the ball really hard, really hard. Uh, adopted, over the, adopted over the fence. Adopted. Yes. From Cal- but, you know, from California, Fresno State, yeah. MVP, home run record. Nice guy. He's got a gap in his two front teeth, just like gang, you gang. Did. Let's go. He's that's Aaron Judge. Okay, so we now we we understand who he is. Who is he also now that we understand? Here's here's let's add another line to the resume for Aaron Judge. Apparently, pretty high up in the Yankees' decision making process. Maybe now, that's what, that what Brian Cashman meant when he was like, "Our front office is pretty fucking good." We have Aaron Judge. Yes, yes, because. In what Hal, this is more so coming from Hal than, than from Cashman, but we heard from Cashman too. Both uh, men referred to working directly with Aaron Judge, asking Aaron Judge's you know, input on the processes involved and sort of the changes that they need to make. First and foremost, are we bringing Aaron Boone back? Hal Steinbrenner, this is, this is one of the great details that we got from, from Hal Steinbrenner. They said, okay, obviously the first question is like, hey, like, what did you do to like try and as you enter this offseason, what are your first steps? This is from Jack Curry of Yes Network. Uh, he says, I asked Hal Steinbrenner what were the tough questions he asked in the offseason. He said the first topic addressed was whether Boone should return as manager. After conversations with Andy Pettit, Omar Minaya, Brian Sabian, yes, Brian Sabian, who's you know former Giants guy who's been working for the Yankees the last few years, Nick Swisher, and presumably others, Hal decided to retire to retain Boone. Not retire Boone, retain Boone. Uh, and I'm sure Judge is part of that too, right? Of course. We know Judge is, has been pro Boone for the whole time. That's fine. But again, what, this is another reminder of how many different voices are involved in this Yankees operation. And now you introduce Judge relevant to, to Cashman and you also remember, oh my God, there's just like so many different pieces here. And now with Judge being the face of the franchise, he's now part of that too. And do we want our players being playing assistant GM? Usually, no. <laughs> I mean, there's a very limited uh, track record of this in baseball, for sure. It's like LeBron James is the example in sports. And that has certainly a spotty track record at times. But what did you think of, of how do you kind of, you've been around the Yankees. Like, what is your sense for Judge being in this role now? It's a tough balance. I think Judge is good in the clubhouse. I think he's a good person to be, quote, the captain. However, I don't think... Any leadership ability or superhuman baseball knocking skill or dedication, hard work, commitment, work ethic, all that stuff, right? That does not make you qualified to build a roster, especially in this sport. LeBron, it's a little different, right? Because there's only a number of people on the team and he can really go out and recruit guys. NBA is a different beast. This is what Judge said at the end of the year. Quote, the Yankees players get a lot of numbers. I think we might be looking at the wrong ones and maybe should value some other ones that some people might see as having no value. We now know through Cashman from yesterday. I asked him about that and he talked about RBIs and batting average, Cashman said. They're important. I understand. Are they? Again, I think it just comes down to when you're dealing with 99 wins two years ago, everybody is happy. So, 
That is true. Winning fixes everything. But Aaron Judge wants... <laughs> like, if he wants RBIs and batting average to be prioritized, that's fine. But those things cannot be prioritized when making decisions. Yes. yes. That's what's key here. And mm-hmm. that quote from Judge tells me that he is not qualified if he's saying batting average and RBIs are king. He is not qualified to offer... A, like a substantial voice in the room. One more point and I'll kick it back to you. I think the best organizations in baseball have a very small circle of trust. I think about Atlanta, right? Or even like St. Louis for a lot of the time before they fell apart last year. Three people know what's going on at any given time, really know what's going on. The Cubs are kind of like this too, right? It's like, the flow of information internally is so limited, it does create an echo chamber sometimes with like what happened with the Cardinals and pitching velocity, right? Fastball velocity. There aren't outside ideas, you get stuck in an ideology and then it never goes for it. However, if you are tight and committed and on the same page, it makes everything much simpler. You can still take input from other parts of your organization, obviously, but from a decision-making process, it is a very tight circle. And the Yankees do not – it seems like a two-minute cook situation right now. Well, I think it's – I think in some ways it is still clearly Cashman and, and a few people, but there's so many other people involved. I think it's about having the right people, and as he believes, they do have a lot of the right people. But then it is about the the applying of it, and that's where you get to the too-many-cook situation, I think especially when it comes to player development and most notably the disconnect between what is happening in the minor leagues and what is happening in the major leagues. And while there are a lot of things that that tell us that they actually, the Yankees have actually done a good job of developing prospects. We've not seen them successfully develop that many major leaguers recently. And I think 2024 is going to be so much about this next wave of young hitters. Unfortunately, we're not going to have Dominguez because of the injury, but like if those guys are not going to hit, they're not going to be good anyway because they can this roster let's strip away all of the context and all of the arguments and everything of how we got here let's just erase what we think about how, how all the trades that were made to get to this point and whose whose decision it was to bring in this guy and this guy and all those things just forget all of that just look at this roster right now there are problems on this roster. You have a great set and that you have one of the best hitters in the world and the best pitchers in the world. And after that, there are so many questions about this team, particularly when you compare it to this division. That is the issue. And so we have to now look forward and push forward and figure out how we are going to make that a better baseball team. Because while I do agree with your point about Judge's qualifications as an assistant GM, I also understand Aaron Judge looking at the Yankees and being like, we were 25th in RBIs and 29th in batting average. We sucked. We need to improve in those categories. And guess what? He's right. They can't hit 227 again and be a good baseball team. Like at some point, batting average is going to be important because that means you're not getting hits, which means your offense isn't like, again, of course, it's not the only thing, but it's about the processes that lead to production. And that was not happening with the Yankees. And when you look at this roster, there's a lot of questions about how that's going to happen, regardless of who's involved, who the hitting coach is and who the hitting coordinator is and who was teaching these guys how to hit in the Somerset and, you know, Scranton and all these things like I'm just looking at the guy, the names on the roster and the questions I have about them and how they all fit together positionally and how it impacts the defense and injury risk. And that is what I'm concerned about. And that is what Brian Cashman has to figure out and why it's not even about the fact that they just had their worst season ever. It's how are we going to avoid being mediocre in 2024? And that's all that matters. That's all that matters now moving forward. I know that it's easy to get on podcasts and laugh at these quotes as we should because that's the job and it is admittedly entertaining it's funny. It's but ultimately funny. It, it doesn't it doesn't really matter like they have to do something and the pressure is certainly on more this year uh than last year the result changes the narrative if you win it's fine the astros right now as an organization are a bit of a clusterfuck right mm-hmm. If they had won the World Series, nobody would have cared about that. Same thing happened last year. Literally. Didn't have have a GM. Last year. Yeah. Like last year when they win and then don't have a GM and make a bunch of weird moves, it's like, like, well, that's weird, but they won. They won. So who cares? Uh, One last thing. I'm going to give Cashman some credit. Mm -hmm. If I work for the Yankees and my boss just went out in public and pumped me up, 
I'm walking into work this morning buzzing. You know what I mean? I'm I'd be, buzzing. Everyone it, walking around the, the Yankees offices are looking at each other like, yo, we're pretty fucking good, right? Pretty fucking good. Like, yo, we're pretty fucking good, right? Pretty, 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 pretty but, fucking but, good. Right, but at the same time, like, there's also probably some people in the front office being like, we just won 82 games. That's not good. Like, I, I know what he meant, but that's not good, you know? And he knows that too. And so, but this is the Yankees. Again, like, I think of this all the time. Like, there, there's just oftentimes I see quotes from players or or GMs or people in on teams where that they, they get a fraction of the coverage. And I think like, oh my God, if someone on the Yankees had said something like this, this would be <laughs> the biggest deal in the world. And this is a pretty extreme case of that. So very entertaining, obviously, as neutral observers. Uh, any Yankees drama is highly, highly amusing. Uh, but it, it, hey, I mean, it, it does put them even more. It's so interesting because last year they get swept in the CS and it's like, wow, what an embarrassment. But they had 199 games this year. They just are not good. And it's even worse, but for different reasons, fascinating team. And, uh, any, any situ any off season is always more exciting when more teams feel pressure. That's how you get interesting moves. So that's what we're going to get from the New York Yankees. I'm very confident in that. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will dig deep into the Craig Council Bonanza. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well, you can stop looking and start buying because they're all available right now, just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G.com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, let me ask you a question. How much money would you need to betray your hometown? <laughs> um, definitely less than $40 yeah. million dollars over, over five years. Not even I would, close. <laughs> I would do it for like 40K, 4K. <laughs> right. We don't have as much hometown pride. Uh, as people from Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin, or apparently we do. We apparently we have more. Uh, all right, Jake. Craig Council's managing the Cubs now. All right, we, good stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, Carlos Mendoza is managing the Mets. Stephen yes. Vogt is managing the Guardians. That's yes. it. Thank you all for listening. You can. <laughs> we. I do want to hit on Mendoza and Vote. We'll put that uh, to to the back half here. So we spoke on Monday. We looked at these five jobs that we thought were open. Right. We ranked the jobs in terms of attractiveness. The Angels, the Astros, the Padres, and the Guardians, uh, and the Mets, right? And I said mm -hmm. afterwards, isn't the Brewers job Talisa technically open because Council's yeah. a free agent? And we we're like, oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, here's the job we were not discussing, the Cubs, <laughs> because, and, and, and I guess we could talk about where that job would rank had, had it been open, but okay. So we did not think the Cubs job was open because at the end of the regular season, the regular season that ended in very disappointing fashion with the kind of an ugly September from the Cubs. Remember Cubs had a very, it looked like they were heading towards being sellers at the deadline. They, they rejuvenate in July and August. So, oh my God, here we go. We're going to be buyers. We bring in Candelario and we're doing these things and we're going for it. And then they fall on their face at the end. They fall short of the wild card and it's kind of sad. And it's like, yikes, that was not great. Um, and, you know, they kind of ended up where I think we expected them to maybe end up at the start of the season. But based on how it was going in the middle of the summer, it was undeniably a disappointment. And I think either owner uh, Ricketts or Jed Hoyer, the GM, said something along the lines of David Ross, our manager, is our guy. Yes, Quote, is our guy. They said is our guy. there was there were some questions. Is he going to be your guy? They had, as we just mentioned with the Yankees earlier, like normally these teams, they talk right after the season. And that's what the Cubs did. And they said, we think David Ross is great. He is our manager. And that sets the stage for what I think is the most dramatic, shocking managerial twist in the 21st century of baseball. I cannot remember anything this jaw-droppingly yeah. bizarre out of left field, just an amazing piece yes. 
of Midwest soap opera. So if you want to watch us experience this in real time, we did this on Monday afternoon. We live streamed it, YouTube, Twitch. You can go back and watch the VOD of that. It's, <laughs> that's there. But just to recap how this news kind of came out, I think it's important. Well, I would like to just say some facts first Please. for people who are maybe new to this. Craig Council is not just from the Milwaukee area. He is of the Milwaukee area. He grew up in Whitefish Bay, a nice suburb slightly north of the city, but like well within like 20-minute drive, 50-minute drive from the stadium. His dad worked for the Brewers, grew up rooting for the Brewers. He played for the Brewers. Then he managed the Brewers for a long time. He is like a top... 10 most recognizable human being in Milwaukee. That's a key part of this story. At the same time, the Brewers are pretty cheap as an organization. That's another thing to hold. Then we have the whole drama with, not drama, but storyline of David Stearns, who used to be the head of baseball ops with Milwaukee, being in charge of the Mets with an open managerial spot and an unlimited payroll. And the narrative heading into Monday was council will pick between the Brewers, the Mets, and taking a year off. Jordan, how did the news trickle out? So again, that's that's how we're starting. That's where we were when we recorded on Monday. And then we have a very strange sequence because at this point, we do not, again, we have not heard the Mets yet. And then I think the first thing we hear is that the Mets are hiring Carlos Mendoza. That is... We're going to talk about that after, but okay. So it's like, okay, so not the Mets. Great. Within like 20 minutes of that, we start getting more reports that say Craig Council still deciding because on Monday we had a lot of like, this is Craig Council decision day. <laughs> and so when we assume, when we see that Mendoza's to the Mets, it's like, okay, so either he's going to step away or he's going to go back to the Brewers, right? Then we get these very cryptic reports. John Heyman puts out a tweet that says, there may be other finalists for Craig Council. Again, the phrasing there, amazing. Finalists for Council, not Council finalists for other jobs the way we normally talk about managers. Other finalists, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, now we're having mystery team discussions about a managerial free agent? But it's, astro- you're, you're thinking about the teams with other open spots. Yes, right? you're thinking, you're thinking like about Astros, the Astros. Padres, Padres. even. Yes. Um, but I just quickly, you know, the entire Council story Think of him like he's a player as a free agent, and it makes it all a lot easier to understand. Sure, sure. Now, then it's like, okay, he then Rosenthal puts out like, council will manage. It will not be the Brewers. It will not be the Mets. It will be a team that already has a manager. Now, I'm guessing at this point, this is a great example of like, Ken knew it was the Cubs, and it sounded so nuts that like he wasn't going to say Cubs at that stage and needed to wait for some other level of being like, oh my God, like if I can't say this or I'm still waiting for all these things. Now we learn later, remember, this is all happening on Monday. We learn from reporting later that all of this was essentially agreed to over the weekend. It seems like the deal was done on Sunday. So it's possible that this had already started to leak out, whatever. But the point is, is that then it's like, oh my God, when he says he's going to manage for a team with an existing manager, now we have 25 minutes. And again, this is where you can go watch what they streamed of just straight speculation. Oh my God, where could he possibly be going that already has a manager? And it turned out that the answer was apparently pretty obvious to Craig Council. And that was the Chicago Cubs for the largest manager contract that we've ever seen. And it does seem that the fact that the Cubs were close to home, that they were going to give him all this money, that, that he met with Jed Hoyer and that they hit it off, that that from Craig Council's perspective, and as I've reflected on this, I actually do not, I am more interested in this from the Cubs perspective than from Craig Council's side. But I'm yes. curious where you are at. Because That's, the more I've thought about it, the, once I got over the shock, I thought, you know what? We think about these managers and all these jobs as, as loyalty and everything you just said about his connections to Wisconsin are true. And we've seen that in the way he responded to it publicly and the way that fans have responded to it. It's not that that's a lie. But ultimately, it's still a job. It's one of 30 jobs. And he was considering things that make the job appealing. And I'm sure that was, I'm the highest paid manager ever. I get to still live near home. I get to be in, with a good team. And I like Jed Hoyer. That's enough to go take a new job. 
Like in that sense, like that's not that complicated. I'm much more interested in how the Cubs handled this from the day their season ended to how we got here. But what were your initial reactions? Totally agree with you. I think once you scratch the surface, it makes a lot more sense. Um, the idea of valuing the proximity to his home in Whitefish Bay. It's a two-hour drive from Whitefish Bay High School where council attended to Wrigley Field. Okay, so it's it's not that close. He can't go up there on off days. The whole narrative about staying in the Midwest where his sons are playing college baseball is totally irrelevant because he can't watch them. It's a busy job, right? Being a major league manager takes a lot of your time. And I actually think that's relevant here. You are so bubbled in the season that it doesn't really matter where you are. You are on the road half the time, okay? You are, even when you're staying at home, you have one off day at home maybe every month, maybe two. That's not enough of a reason to live in a place. You see what sure. I'm saying? Like yeah. the rest of the season is, the rest of the year is, and maybe, you know, besmirching your own name and having people vandalize the sign of you at your high school. Like that's compelling. But bro, I said this at the beginning. How much money would it take to, you know, abandon your hometown? I have 40 million? Sure. Fine. <laughs> you know, that's totally okay. Yeah. And and there's been a lot of discussion about how managers are underpaid relative to other sports. So I don't really, yeah, I don't know where you stand on that. Like, I think I understand it, but what it is is still the same thing as the way the players treat it, which is they view their responsibility to raise the bar for their fellow colleagues. Like that is a real thing. And this was an opportunity to do that. That's not why you took the job, but like that's part of it too. Like it is important, especially when you're Craig Council and you're kind of the face of the modern manager like that's yeah. a fact. Like that's him. He is a very important person in this space. For him to get this is important in the managerial world. The idea of the brotherhood of managers, I I struggle with that because it's a very specific job. Yeah. Even the MLB union, it's like there's only 700 and whatever of those Roster jobs. Spots. It's yep. very small. Sure. In managers, it's what? There's like 60 adults right now who might manage it. You know, like it's it's a very small group. Very small group. I think the council wanting to raise the bar for that is admirable and connected to his time as an advocate for the MLBPA during his playing career. I think that balances out with the idea of him taking a job that somebody else already had. I think that his perception among other managers and people in the game has gotten more polarizing over the last week, but ends up in the same general spot, if that makes sense. I agree, but I think that's also a good transition back to the Cubs' perspective here. Because the part that I still don't understand, even with the fantastic reporting of people like Sahadev Sharma, who give us the details of how Jed Hoyer basically always revered Craig Council as the best manager in the game. And at the beginning of the offseason, even knowing that he was going to be a free agent they too assumed it was going to be Milwaukee or New York. And so they didn't view it as a realistic possibility. And they basically thought that by the time the October ended, when they could officially talk to him, because they they would have needed permission from the Brewers before November 1st, something that it sounds like he was able to get for the Cleveland and New York stuff, but would never have gotten for the Cubs. And so it sounds like what Jed Hoyer thought was, The longer we went into October and the closer we got to November 1st to where Craig Council was not still obviously going to Cleveland or New York, he basically viewed it as, oh, wait, this is a real possibility. Now let's blow him out of the water with an offer. At the same time, if you were dead set on him and you were dead set on giving him the biggest contract in managerial history, I feel like you should have just fired David Ross and then gave it your best effort to begin with. Like, I, I feel like you still probably could have accomplished this to begin with. Do you do you, like No, I disagree. I, that I, I just it's just weird to me that you if you were that committed and that willing to give him the biggest manager law forever and you, you thought that there was a real possibility that he was going to do it, but maybe they, they just didn't know until he sat down with him on November first and yeah. you had to run that risk. There's no way to know. It's counsel, even though we understand why he took the money and left Milwaukee, it's still a crazy move. Yeah. It's still out of nowhere. And it is impossible for Hoyer to know how amenable counsel is going to be to that 
until you talk to him. Mm-hmm. So the best, if you're Jed Hoyer, the best outcome for this situation is Craig Council as your manager. The second best situation is David Ross as your manager, not knowing that you ever had the hots for Craig Council. None of us ever knew. None of us ever knew. Mm-hmm. And the third option is like Ross as manager, knowing that you could have bailed or firing Ross and having another manager that's not Craig Council in Hoyer's mind would have been worse than the alternative. And so yeah. I understand. Sure. I understand why Hoyer handled it the way he handled it based upon his goals. Yeah, that's that fair. That, that, that's now, a good point. There is a ruthlessness to this from the Cubs perspective, from the Cubs side. People are saying they did this with Rick Renteria and Joe Madden in 2014. I get that. This is different. David Ross won a World Series there, hit a home run in game seven. They carried him off the field when they won in 2016. He is a franchise icon. Rick Renteria was a guy who was your manager. And so to discard David Ross to the side like this, even if it is the right move, quote unquote, to win ball games next year, it comes with a soullessness and a heartlessness that is really jarring if you're a Cubs fan. And if you look through the thoughts from Cubs people, Cubs fans, there's two main thoughts. One is we got to win at all costs. Council is going to give us the best chance to do that. Milwaukee's our little brother. They can suck it. Go Cubs go. And then there's the, we did Ross dirty, right? That is, that is a fact like that. They did. The reporting on this was Jed Hoyer flew to Tallahassee where Ross lives in the offseason and sat down with him personally for two hours. Mm-hmm. What is there to talk about for two hours? Well, that's the thing. Like there's uh, how long, because think about how we're blindsided by this, right? I mean, this is really who you should be thinking about. Not that David Ross is, does not still have a great life, whatever. But like truly to have yeah. this level, he was probably talking to Jed Hoyer about the offseason days before that. Because Jed Hoyer, as you mentioned, had to convince everybody, including David Ross, and pro- probably everybody except for like two people you know, in the Cubs front office that he and probably ownership that he was thinking about Craig Council though every day that passed in October that he was not the manager of the Mets or the manager of the Guardians, he had to think like, oh man, oh man, oh man, we're getting closer to this, right? And so he was probably talking to David Ross days before, like, these are the things we're considering. These are the things we're doing, blah, 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 blah. That's what's so fascinating about this and why it does feel so ruthless. I want to talk about the chain of events there. Okay, so you're David Ross. You're sitting at home in Tallahassee. You get a text from Hoyer. Is Hoyer like, hey, can we talk in person? I'll be there in an hour. Yeah. Is he like, hey, I'm swinging by. Yeah. I'm in the neighborhood. (laughs) Right. Like, can I pop over? Because this did not happen in public, right? This happened at, definitely happened at Ross's house or his backyard or something, right? Yes. And so if it's the situation where Hoyer is calling Ross and says, yo, we got to talk in person. I'm Ross. That is just a gut churning five hours of waiting, talking about getting dumped in middle school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're sitting on that. You're thinking on that for a while. Yeah. Like what, that's the thing. Did he already start thinking about, like, I, I just, it's just so hard to know. And maybe we will hear from David Ross at some point. Maybe David Ross is about to get hired by another one of these teams. If it's the Brewers, that'd be the funniest thing of all time. But if it's, even if it's the Padres or the Astros, whatever. So, that's the other thing. The other thing you mentioned, okay, he went down. What about before that? The reporting about the secret meeting between Hoyer and Council. It, somewhere in Chicago, but not near the ballpark. Was this just like at Jed's house? You know, we needed like baseball TMZ to like catch Craig Council yeah. coming out of Jed Hoyer's house. <laughs> Can you imagine if he spotted there? Like, I'm always fascinated by these like secret meetings in the offseason, which back to your original point, treat it like a player free agent, right? Like that's the kind of thing. This is the this kind of reporting about this kind of deal, this kind of last second deal is the kind of reporting we normally get about free agent players, not free agent managers. But that's how highly Jed Hoyer thought of Craig Council. That's how important he was to him as part of his plan to how can we have the Cubs win the most games as possible? I believe Craig Council is the best manager in the game. And so I am willing to go to extreme lengths to make that happen. And of course, ownership uh, agreed. So it is ruthless. It is wild. It is one of the crazier sequences we've ever seen. But boy, was it entertaining. A couple of quotes. This is from Craig Council. 
Yesterday was an emotional day. I was sad first, then happy. Then I was crying. Then I was laughing. I went through all of it. There was a lot yesterday, and I understand. A decision that affected a lot of people, and I take that very seriously. Your connection to people doesn't change. I'm not planning on any of that changing. Editor's note, I got bad news for you, Craig. And your connection to a community doesn't have to change because of this. Again, I've, I've, I have bad news for you, Craig. I know this is because of baseball that maybe people know who I am, but that has nothing to do with my connection to the community. Um, unfortunately, Craig, I think it might for a lot of people. I think it's separate. I know fandom says it's not, but I think it's separate. Craig, I think that actually um, it's not separate, not separate for a lot of people. Uh, Mark Antanasio, the uh, owner of the Brewers, delivered an all-time memorable quote when asked about it, where he said, Craig, he said, we lost Craig. I've been dwelling on this, though. And Craig has lost us and our community. And I think that that is somewhat true, that the that Craig Council's relationship with his hometown will never be the same again. However, the sentiment among Brewers fans is more anti-Antanasio than it is anything else. That the Brewers ownership group, their frugality and their lack of action created the situation and allowed Council to leave. And that the unseriousness from Brewer's ownership is at fault here more than anything else. It is indicative, the idea that Council felt it necessary to leave his hometown, a dream job, is on the structures and vibe in place and the resources available from Brewer's ownership. That's where the blame feels like it's trickling, which is super interesting. To me. Yeah, I mean, I would love to hear, again, from Brewers fans specifically, and I, I've definitely seen that sentiment for sure. Uh, but again, then you compare it to the Mets, who people assumed if he had gone to the Mets, it was like, oh, it's to work with Stearns. We would have assumed the Mets would have given him a crazy contract, and all the reporting says that the Mets offer was nowhere near the Cubs offer, let alone even what you know Milwaukee was offering. So that's another part of it too, is, is what did he want? And that's why I think... I'm not surprised. Like if he had just gone to the Mets, I'm sure there would be some level of of betrayal. Not a, not really betrayal, but just like disappointment. Like, oh, really? Like you're going to go to the big market team and like take that? Like there would have been a little bit of that, I'm sure. This is a whole other. I mean, this is this is because yeah. you you had all because basically people had probably been mentally preparing for that for months. Yeah, I'm sure there were Brewers fans like, damn, he's going to go to the Mets, and then we'll have to deal with that. But this is different. One more thing about the community quote. I think what it shows is, so Brewer's World and like that park and that fan base and that city in the summer, that is a legitimately special thing. I agree with that. That's not enough. It's not enough. Your community does not mean as much as the money, as the resources, as all that stuff. And by saying that he lost the community, I think Brewer's ownership is showing that they don't get the reality of the sport, of American capitalism as a whole. If you want something, you got to pay for something. Yeah. You got to incentivize people to stay. And it's not enough to say this community is special. Right. Clearly, because Craig Council works for the Cubs now. Yeah. And again, it's not just always oh, making more. It's just thinking about it as that was an attractive job. Part of it because it paid a lot and part of it because it was in Chicago nearby and it was a good team and all these things, right? And he clearly, Jed Hoyer convinced them that it was a good job to do. And he viewed it, for whatever reason, as a better job than continuing to be the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. And Brewers fans are <laughs> welcome to feel however they want to feel about that. Jordan. Yes. Time for a special edition of Sorry for Your Mentions. Oh, baby. It's been a minute. Uh, Neither... So Neither have, the Brewers nor the Cubs have announced or confirmed this news yet. That's not true. That's not true. So the Cubs, oh. <laughs> this is crazy. The Cubs announced David Ross is no longer yes. the manager. And in the press release of the last paragraph says, by the way, moving forward, our team will be managed by Craig Council. No other details about it. They just said, oh, yeah, by the way, it'll be Craig Council. Moving on. Oh, thank right. you to David Ross. Thank you, David Ross. Thank you, David Ross. Thank you, David Ross. We have not yes. heard anything from Milwaukee yet. Correct. That is true. Good. But 
that doesn't mean fans are not responding to this uh, news. And so uh, with Craig Council, yeah. but I'm saying like from the Brewers side, there's nothing from the official account. Yes, so I went is, to, which is important because normally this segment, sorry for your mentions, is official team account posts something. Here are some of our favorite replies to response to official team account. We are going to tweak that slightly for this. I have gone with Adam McKelvey, the Brewers reporter for MLB.com. Here are some of my favorites. Maverick says, sincerely hope he doesn't win a single game and is fired after one year. What would Craig Council <laughs> I guess if he went 0-162, yeah. he'd get fired, yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, man, even that, though, like, it's a pretty big commitment. You might just run it up to, like, they just lost a lot of one-run games. Which but that's would the whole be very weird. That's the whole reason you have Craig Council. Oh, and once how many losses for Craig Council to get fired after the first year is a pretty good question, though. This is from Tyler. He's simply not welcome back in Milwaukee. He lied. He's not one of us. I don't think he realizes that. This facade of him having these long-lasting special connections no longer exists. I'm intrigued by the lied part because I actually don't know. Did Craig Council ever say, I will I will be back or I will never go to the Cubs? <laughs> like, I don't think, because again, none of this was on our radar. So I'm not yeah. sure what he's lying about. But the other betrayal part, yeah, totally. I agree with that. Or I understand I the sentiment. I don't think he overtly lied or misled anybody, but I get the sentiment. Yeah. This is from Lorenzo. This is my favorite one. Congratulations on the money, Craig, but at the same time, the hell with you. Correct. That is a great take. I mean, at least he's, he's like, yeah, that's a lot. That's nice job. It's like, yeah, that's congrats. quite that's a sick. haul. Very impressive. This is from uh, someone who is named uh, Math. Please do not harass any of the council family. Please do continue to vandalize that sign. <laughs> so yes, someone spray uh, painted a, go ahead there was a sign i believe it was a like a public park that he had a field named after him whatever and someone just spray painted the word ass on it so <laughs> good they, it's, they covered it up <laughs> um so yeah. so milwaukee ass <laughs> yeah like spray painting a word you can say on television last one this is from an account called greg council this, uh, this is in response to the Cubs thanking David Ross. Okay. This is such a hilarious post when you just did the guy so dirty. It would be like me leaving my wife for some hot 20-year-old, but leaving her a ca card about how much I appreciate her on the way out. Just like that, Greg. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's really no... Again, the Cubs have to post something, but... The Brewers, um, you mean? Well, no, I'm saying the Cubs have to post. Like, they can't... Yeah. They can't not post something nice about David Ross, <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, I mean you're gonna get you're gonna get laughed at, so that's tough. Uh, anyway, uh, last thing on this before we wrap up the other managerial um, move so far is yeah, I mean who's who are the Brewers gonna hire? I don't know. I mean David Ross would be a hilarious answer. It sounds like you know they they were preparing for Craig Council to maybe leave, so it's not like that part is super. Wild and Matt Arnold, GM, has like clearly been preparing for that. So in that sense, that doesn't change anything that much. Like they were already sort of considering other candidates, I'm sure. As for who those will be, we have had limited uh, reporting on that so far. So we will wait for that. Uh, David Ross's part is much more interesting. Um, and before we talk about Cleveland and New York, I mean, the jobs that are still open are the Padres, the Angels, the Astros, um, and then Milwaukee. So I don't know, because I haven't thought about David Ross in another context yet. I mean, I, I and I and also too, like you know, back to the end of the regular season, like I, I think you know, if they had fired him like a normal manager who gets fired after a disappointing season, I would have been like, man, like that's rough. But like, okay, like yeah, that's kind of what happens when you have a collapse in a way that you know should have been. Is it David Ross's fault? No, but you know, that's that's a normal baseball sequence of events to happen. So, at the same time, they clearly believed in him enough to keep him on, unless the best manager in the world he became available in Jed Hoyer's eyes. So I'm sure he will still be sought. To some degree, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets interviewed for some other things, if he ends up doing other things. Like, I'm interested, like, does he just end up back on TV? You know? Does he just go away for a while? David Ross doesn't seem like someone to just 
go sit at home. So I feel like we will see David Ross somewhere, but um, hard to know where. So we'll see. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about the two other managerial changes. Steven Vogt to Cleveland and Carlos Mendoza stays in New York, kind of. And welcome back to the end of Baseball Barbacast. Just this episode. Don't worry. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Um, David Ross, if I had to say who's the most like David Ross in the world, I would probably say Stephen Vogt. <laughs> now, Stephen Vogt was better than David Ross uh, as a player. Two-time All-Star catcher who could like really kind of hit a little bit. It is jarring to think that he played in 2022. Yeah. You know, this was a one-year hiatus, not even hiatus, a one-year apprenticeship in the coaching staff world as the Mariners' bullpen coach, where he was beloved. And, of course, he was beloved before he retired. But let's go to the positive, obvious part of this, and then let's go to the negative reasons to question this. Here's the obvious positive thing. Everybody loves Stephen Vogt. Duh, right? This was true when he, you know, he is, we're losing David Ross as a former uh, lovable catcher that is a manager. Okay, now we get Stephen Vogt, as you mentioned, right? So many catchers become managers. Everyone has said he is the perfect personality. The guy who, the reason why catchers, of course, are pop, great managers because they have to think about every, basically every part of the sport at all times. And so he is a perfect candidate for that personality-wise, lovable teammate, understands the game. Him having just worked as a bullpen coach, like, is relevant. But, you know... So that all, all makes sense, especially, by the way, for Cleveland, who definitely wants someone who can relate to a young team that wants to, like, all that the match there. He, of course, been in Oakland, been with teams, smaller markets, like all of those things. He checks all those boxes. No one is going to say a bad word about Stephen Vogt. We've talked to him before. We've interviewed him. I remember, do you remember the, the video we shot with him? Yeah, we did what's in your in your baseball bag. <laughs> yeah. What's in the bag was the the bit we did with Stephen Vogt. Um awesome person. So like obviously have no bad things to say about Stephen Vogt as a future manager, now current manager. All those things make sense. Do you agree say with some all bad, those things? Say some bad things though. All right, here's some bad things. Not about Stephen Vogt. Uh as once again, we've seen this version many times now with whether it's both GMs um in front offices and at as managerial jobs. Teams are just kind of hiring who they like, and it's not about considering qualified candidates who have been working in positions for a long time, like Carlos Mendoza, who we're going to get to for one thing. I'm not just talking about you know minorities who have been who have put in their time and, and worked really, really hard and are supposed to be considered because the MLB put in rules to consider a larger pool of applicants for these jobs, and instead teams are just going, nah, I like that guy. Um, that is problematic in a process standpoint, but I also understand it doesn't mean that Steven Vogt is not a good pick, but from a, is this the best way to get a diverse pool of candidates? Probably not. And in that sense, it's disappointing, but at the same time, I understand why it keeps happening. We're not fixing that problem until we fix the problem above it because- And that's part of it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People, particularly the overwhelming- Ivy League slash Haverford white dudes that are running baseball teams want to pick people they think they can relate to, mm-hmm. right? Whether or not they can, those are going to be people who look and speak and think and talk like them. Mm-hmm. And that, so to me, like the manager, lack of diversity in the manager stuff is important, but I think the je- it's not getting fixed. It's not genuinely getting fixed until the, the stuff above it gets fixed. Yeah. And also again, like, even aside, just focusing on the, he doesn't have any managerial experience. I care less about that personally. Um, I do. I just think it's interesting. I just think it is interesting yeah, I mean, when you hire someone that hasn't done it, literally has not done it once before. Like there, there's cases where it's like he hired, he managed once in the winter league somewhere. Oh, he managed. Like this is like totally just like one year on a coaching staff and here we go. Doesn't mean he's not going to be great, but it is a pretty, it is a pretty wild uh, way to think about it. But because when you're so beloved, it's easy to just be like, yeah, who cares? Yeah. Of course, he's perfect. I think that I'll, I'll be interested to see how much of that coaching staff changes under vote. Yep. Because Cleveland had a pretty old coaching staff that yeah, was a lot true. of Francona guys. Mm-hmm. I I wonder if it'll tilt more towards vote or not. Yeah, um, and, and we've seen in the past like when got new managers get hired who don't have a ton of experience, 
Like they know that. It's not like they think, oh, I got to figure it out from the beginning. Like Stephen Vogt understands like, yeah, I'm 39. I've never done this before. Like I get me some help. Like that is going to happen and it makes sense. And so, but it is also an interesting contrast to the whole discussion about the council of this is the most important person. This person can change the way we win. This person adds X number of wins a year. Like it's hard to say that with a straight face about someone who's never done it, you know? And that's the part that's super interesting. And uh, we'll see how it goes with him. At one point, council had never done it. I believe four of the six finalists for manager of the year Mm -hmm. were first time skippers when they were hired. And that would be Hyde, Skip, Council, and so, uh, someone else. Snit, are you, I guess. Are you not, not Bochy, that's for sure. Not Bochy, I think Snit. <laughs> so we've um, had versions, and, and also then there's a the question, oh, did, did he play, right? Mike Schilt was a manager. He's a finalist for the Padres. Never played above, like, you know, community yeah. college ball, whatever. So there's all, all yeah. different questions with managers. I think that it is, it's two different things. It's like the qualifications and then it's the processes to how we get to there that is, are both important questions, but is, is hard to really know. And I agree with you. It goes so far above the, the managers that end up getting picked. Uh, Carlos Mendoza to the Mets. Yes. This one is a much better example of how did this guy not get <laughs> hired years ago by many other teams? And I'm not sure if he had been interviewed for manager jobs in the past, but this is someone who's just been in the game for a long time, came up as an infielder uh, with the Yankees uh, and the Giants. I think it was the Giants, and then he finished with the Yankees. He's been a coach with the Yankees for a really, really, really long time. He was actually preceded Boone. He had been with the Yankees before Boone and was so well uh, you know, liked and respected that he stuck on on the coaching staff, is the bench coach, Boone cannot speak more highly about him. And he's now, we have another Venezuelan manager, which we have not had in a long time. I was talking to our, our friend and, you know, the king of Venezuelan baseball uh, recently about, about him uh, and just how important it is to have, you know, more Venezuelan managers and, and more, of course, Spanish-speaking managers in the sport. And now I mean, he's now the second one. Mendoza. He's the second Venezuelan to be hired as a manager, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. There were two interim Venezuelans to manage, but he's the second to be hired. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a pretty pretty big deal, and he's but he's again it's very very simple. I know people don't aren't very familiar with him, but he has an extremely high reputation in the game, and I do think that it's the kind of hire that I'm not surprised that like I do trust David Stearns in this case, right? If we're going to trust anybody in terms of picking a manager, I'm sure that he has a pretty good sense for that. And while it's not as flashy, that's probably for the best. The Mets could use a lack of flash. Uh, because the flash has not worked out especially well at times uh, in recent years. The last time David Sturds picked a manager, it was it was Craig Council. Yeah. So uh, I like Mendoza. I've talked to him a number of times. He's intense mm-hmm. in a good way, but he has feel. Mm-hmm. I also think there is no better preparation than being a bench coach. Being a bench coach is the actual job. Okay, <laughs> like that's... you are a manager, like you are yes. part of the managing of the game when you are a yeah. bench coach directly. And, I think that, yeah. and some are even more than you people even know. That's the other thing I thought yeah. about this, which is just like Carlos Mendoza has been managing the Yankees in some percentage for multiple seasons. And you could say, oh, well, that's not a good thing. The Yankees suck. No, that the point is, is he has been doing that job already. He has been helping to steer a large, expensive, important ship for a long time. Yes. I like this hire quite a bit. Yes. The difference, the biggest difference is that while you're the bench coach and you're doing all of, or many of the responsibilities, what you don't have to do basically ever is talk and talk to the media before the game and after the game and during all these other things. That's it. Now, I have no sense. Like I literally have no sense of Carlos Mendoza's personality or the degree to which he's going to be handling that or whatever. But like, particularly in New York, that is a big part of the gig too. And Buck became very good at it, but that's something he was comfortable with to begin with. Boone, we've seen very fluctuating versions of that. It is not the most important part of the job, but it is a part of the job too. Yeah, I don't think it matters. I think you just go up there and say some stuff and just <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Easy for you to say. I promise you that the fans of these New York teams care very much what these guys say uh, in between before and after the games. Uh, that's our show. 
Jordan, I will see you tomorrow night here <laughs> in New York City. You are headed to the Big Apple to kick yes. it with yes. me. The Jordan has not come to New York, I believe, since the end of 2021. Was yeah. the last time you were here when the Mariners, the Mitch Hanniger double game was in my living room. Yes. The only thing that was able to bring Jordan out of his Midwest comfort zone and to the Big Apple was a three-game set of Dominican Winter League that's happening this weekend uh, at City Field. We will be yes. there in attendance. Lise Aguilas, the Yankees Red Sox of Lee Dome. They're playing a three-game setup here for the first time. It's an exhibition game, but it's going to be ridiculous. We can't wait to see it. I, 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 Someone was like, oh, Jordan's coming. What's the occasion? I was like... Yeah, it has very little to do with me. <laughs> yeah, it's Lee Dome. No, but I'm, I, I can't wait uh, to see Juan Lagares in City Field once again. Oh. It will be cold, but it will be wonderful. And uh, Aguilas off to a tough start. Already fired their manager. So <laughs> so we'll see if this can kind of get their season back on track. David uh, Ross? But anyway. David Ross? Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I hope Mirabal is there. Uh, let, we'll, we'll preview more of that on Friday when we are recording in person. Uh, but until then, I, I a- by the way, Free agency opened. Like we are, we know that there's players to talk about, but we we have plenty of time to do that. So that'll happen on Friday. Um, so thank you. Hopefully, you all enjoyed the the front office and G, uh, manager discussions uh, today. Keep emailing us. They're yes. good. They're good yes. emails. We will read them sometimes. Yeah, I would like to do some email stuff when we're recording in the same place because it's more fun when we do it that way. So. I agree. Uh, barbercast at gmail.com B-A-R-B-Cast thank you to Chris Tyler for producing as always and we will talk to you all on Friday Sirius XM Podcasts